Scratching the surface, city This week I'm talking with Philadelphia-based crochet artist Lace in the Moon. I only recently became aware of Nicole's work back in August when she did a large-scale collaborative mural with Sean Lugo. Since then, I've been lucky enough to be in two shows curated by Sean Lugo, where I got to show with Lace in the Moon, the first one at Deep Space Gallery in Jersey City, and the last one being a pop-up show at Tattooed Mom last week where we recorded this while setting up. I wanted to talk to Nicole about what she's learned in her five years of doing street art and where she sees her work heading as it seems to be progressing quickly in scale and complexity. It's gorgeous. So, uh, thanks for doing this. Oh my gosh, yeah, I was honored that you asked me. I don't know, this is awesome. And I mean, it's awesome to just, like, every time I travel somewhere, I mean, travel, I'm two hours from home, but every time I go somewhere, I like to, you know, talk to other artists that, or, I mean, especially someone like you who's doing something completely different than anything I, I, I'm ever going to do. Uh, so <laughs> it's definitely nice to get like a different person's perspective. So yeah, totally. And I'm glad Sean could uh, introduce us. He's yeah. he's always got my back. He uh, he's my art father, mentor, all that stuff. Perfect. So I mean, you you were talking earlier about the piece you've had in the back for five years. Is, yeah. Is that how long you've been doing this? Or so I learned to crochet in. Uh, the very beginning of 2017, Okay. just off of YouTube, I was going through a really hard time with my anxiety, depression. I had just gone out of the hospital and I figured, um, I needed to find something other than like drugs and alcohol that, um, yeah. you know, can calm my brain a little <laughs> bit. So I just watched some YouTube videos and I just moved to Philly at the time. And I was so obsessed with the street art culture and just mm. the mural culture. Mm-hmm. I have never been the best painter or drawler like that's ever been my forte but I was always like kind of trying to find my medium Mm -hmm. I love collage I love anything textured I just love mixed media stuff so I just started crocheting just for fun and to ease my mind and once I started getting the hang of it I figured I could have my own piece of street art in my own kind of way Hmm. so I just started putting up like tiny little flowers but the piece in the back was about one year into learning to crochet and it was actually the first ever piece that I did indoors anywhere okay so it was robert is just amazing Uh, at finding just like very new artists very green artists and being like literally have at it Mm -hmm. you know he tells anyone to come up here at any point feeds you yeah i mean he's (laughs) i i can't say enough nice things about robert I which, know. Uh, he's just a sweetheart of a man. And this place is incredible, which, you know, I, the first time I came here, I, I, I was, this upstairs wasn't open. So I was outside and I could see in through the window. I was like, what the fuck? That's where I want to go. Cause I went to the bathrooms and I was like, Oh cool. There's stickers everywhere. Awesome. I brought stickers. Uh, a few friends have told me about, you know, tattooed mom. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll check it out. And it wasn't until the second I asked, I was like, can I go upstairs? Like, no, it's not open. And then the second time I came, I was like, what the fuck? This is insane. How do I get up there? Right. Yeah. I was just like a little kid, like staring at a bowl of candy. Like, "Ah, I just can't fucking reach it. I'm picturing Alice in Wonderland, like a huge lock and you have like a tiny key. You're like, I can't get in. I can't. I stood on my wife's shoulders, but it didn't work. Just, we weren't tall enough. Now, I mean, why specifically crocheting? Do you, was there anything like someone in your family who crocheted or anything along those lines? 
Yeah, so no one in my family crochets. I didn't grow up seeing a grandmother or a mother, usually people related to a feminine figure. Sure. I've, you know, I teach and almost no kid is like my grandfather or my dad. But I I was really attracted to the textural aspect mm, okay. of it. And I really liked that once I got in my hands, it was almost kind of like a meditation. So oh, sure. I don't know if you know anything about knitting or crocheting in general, but crocheting is one with one hook, not two. Okay. And it's just a lot of counting. Hmm. And it's really easy once you get kind of down the basic stitches. Everything I do is one of three different stitches. And once you get that down, you can kind of like free form, create whatever you want. It's a really malleable material. Hmm. So it's really cool for just, you know, being able to do whatever and explore with your craft. And I just found it really calming. And it combined my love for texture, street art. And I, I was just really attracted to it right off the bat. And once I kind of like got the rhythm, I was like, you know what, like, this is something that really d is good for my mental health, is just good for my state of being. It's making me creative again. You know, the, the goal was to never become a full-time crochet artist when I picked it up, right? But, you know, I've always wanted to be an artist, but I never knew what that meant or how to be an artist. I grew up thinking that an artist was a fine oil painter in a gallery and mm -hmm. didn't really understand all the other avenues that you could go down. Now you talk about street art. I mean, if you were into street art before, did you like look to people like Olick who were doing like crocheting and like yarn bombing things along those lines there? Yeah. So I actually went to college in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Nice. And so I was like immersed a little bit in the street art culture there. It sure. has, it's like the third most mural city per capita. Yeah. Or they have something. a huge mural festival. Yeah. Um, but when I came to Philly, that was the first time I was like, oh, like street art is a huge thing. You know, I didn't really spend a lot of time in New York growing up. <laughs> so it was pretty new to me. But when I started learning to crochet, I looked up yarn bombing and all this. You know, I'd seen it before, right? I didn't invent it by any means. Olick, incredible. Um, London Kay sure, is another course. big yeah. one. She was kind of really my biggest inspiration yeah. at first. She uses such... Like the her color usage is great, and she's had a really good knack at just like catching people's attention, being witty, mm -hmm. and she's kind of made a career out of going to big brands and you know doing things on a really large scale. So I, I mean, I look up to her a lot as well. And I mean, as far as in Philly, I mean, we have Ish Nitz, who is incredible. Yarn bombed, she yarn bombed the Rizzo statue and the Rocky statue. Oh, nice. She put like a bikini, a hot pink bikini on the Rizzo <laughs> statue. This was before I lived here, but I did my research. Um, and then also there's another local artist who doesn't do as much street art anymore, but her name's Binding Things. Okay. She makes a lot of like weird creatures and a lot of floral stuff. Not as much street art anymore, um, but those were, those were kind of the four people that I was like, wow, okay, this is kind of a blueprint, a little bit of a map as to what I could do and kind of follow in footsteps while finding my own way. Well, it's interesting because you talk about, I've seen a couple of your, your small pieces on the street and you talk about not knowing about art or how to be an artist. I mean, but you've been making these massive scale pieces lately. So to make that jump from just like having these little crocheted pieces to these large sculptural pieces that are taller than you, I mean, that's a hell of a jump in five years of doing this. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I have to remind myself that sometimes, you know, I'm actually very proud of where I am right now. And I think something that I'm, you know, can pat myself on the back is I think I'm constantly trying to like level up in a sense. Sure. I, 
I love, you know, when I first started, I was doing a lot of street art pieces, but they were kind of, you know, more one dimensional, right? I was making large circles and putting things on top of them. And now I'm trying to refine my craft, right? So I'm trying to get more technical, add more details while still going to a larger scale and playing with sculpture and playing with really tiny hooks, but making really big stuff. Mm. So I'm just trying to kind of learn every angle of it. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool to see that you kind of notice that progression in a short period of time. So thank you. Not only that, but like the other pieces, the, uh, like the MS pink pieces that those look like they're actually like made on a loom. I mean, cause it, it looks stylistically completely different. Yeah. So I, I'm so excited with this kind of new series that I am going towards. So I'm glad you saw that Microsoft Paint piece. So it's large, right? But what's different about it from my previous work is the hook is a size 1.7. And when I usually do my street art, I use a 16 hook. Oh, so that's still crocheted? Oh, yeah. It's crocheted. It's not on a loom. It's all hand, um, stitch by stitch. That Microsoft Paint piece took about a month. Um, And actually, crazy, it... It led to, I'm now making two pieces for Microsoft actively. Damn. Yeah, All they right. saw me on TikTok. I'm telling you, TikTok, unfortunately, uh, yeah, is the way to go. I know. I don't know if I'm going to do it, but I, I went all in on Instagram and it's just, a, it's it's TikTok. Two, you, three years from now, it's going to be something else. It's I know. Like, I'm just getting fed up with all this shit. I agree with you. And I think when we start to say that, right, we're just... Is that when we stop becoming like cool and hip and just become like our parents, right? Like, oh, the Instagram, the internet. It's like, unfortunately, I feel like we have to evolve with it if we want to stay relevant in a sense. Agreed. Uh, but I will always be cooler than my parents. <laughs> my parents never did anything. Yeah, but what like will this. your future children tell you? Well, I have a son. Thankfully, okay. he can't. Okay. He only knows a few words at this point. <laughs> okay. uh, but, you know, he'll, he'll grow up the same way that, like, my, my dad's parents were painters uh, from New York. So he'll probably grow up the same way being like, my dad's a fucking weirdo painter. <laughs> so, like, I'm totally cool with that. I, I know. It's, it's a constant dilemma, right? It's, well, I'm just going to get old. It's nothing I can do about that. I'm going to be an old man and be a, like, I'm not going to be a Luddite, but there's going to be, once it becomes all like VR and people are just making shit. I mean, I'm too much of a tactile person. Like you said about, you know, starting this for your mental health. I mean, just drawing is so therapeutic for me that I don't see when it moves into this other, like into the metaverse or something, I'm, I'm gone. Right. It's taking you out of what you originally started doing. Yeah. Yeah, and just the methodical, the, the the actual physical nature of making something, and that's just like once that's gone, like I, I mean, I'll still do this, but I'm not going to do that. I I feel you. I understand that completely, and I mean, especially with crocheting, right? I'm trying to figure out how do I keep this you know, one of the older art forms, something that when you first think of crocheting, you know, maybe you think of hats or blankets or something tired, sure. right? right? And so it's it's a constant like battle or just creative journey to okay, how am I staying relevant? How am I making it relevant online? Mm-hmm. Just because unfortunately or fortunately, who's to say that you just if you are a full-time artist or you make a living off of your art, you need to utilize some type of social media platform, course, at yeah. least the level that I'm at, sure. right? So, I mean, it's a, it's a push and pull. Yeah. So far, I've had good experience on TikTok. Whatever the next thing to come is, you know, I'll probably be, 
be on your same wavelength by that point. But uh, I mean, they're all amazing tools. I mean, but you just as you if you can see it for the tool of what it is, especially for you know we're we're business owners, yeah. so it's like you have to think about it as a way of a business owner. It's like okay, well, this is a great free promotional tool. So I definitely understand that. I mean, I was that way with Instagram. Instagram was great because. It was, just, it, just, it was just pictures, which was awesome because Facebook, I was like, people are ranting about bullshit. I don't have time to read any of this. I don't fucking care. Oh, no. So I was like, oh, this is cool. It's just pictures. Yeah. So, I mean, it, and as it's, as it's changed, it's like I've tried to adapt, but also there's some things that just like don't adapt well. And I mean, I, I have to, it's also been this weird thing too, where it's like, it used to be, you needed a good website and then they wanted you to have a good Facebook page mm-hmm. and your website didn't matter. And yeah. then Facebook didn't matter. And then it was how many followers you had on Instagram. And then your website kind of mattered because that's where you sell stuff. But now you can sell stuff on Instagram. So it's just like this constant, like <laughs> pong back and forth, yo-yoing of like, what the fuck, what am I supposed to do? I'm like, can I just sit here and make this crocheted egg? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> can that just part. be it? No, but, um, yeah. I mean, it, the cool thing is you keep, you keep growing. So it's like scale wise. I, I mean, uh, the largest thing I've painted, well, I've painted a, like a tractor trailer. So it was like 53 feet long, but that's impressive. Yeah. I, I, I didn't do it well, but I, had, <laughs> but I said yes, you know, so I, I did that a couple of times, but I mean the, the idea of leveling up and now you're making these things that are that scale. Did you feel comfortable? Do you want to get bigger? Do you, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, so for example, something that I think was a challenge this year, as far as leveling up, as far as craft and scale, I made these massive structural floral um, pieces this summer. I learned how to use power tools and like, which I'd never done before. I was using, I ended up buying a jigsaw and all this stuff. It was so fun. So I built these large structures and that all ranged about, there was 10 of them. They all ranged from eight to 12 feet and Mm -hmm. covered those in yarn. So it felt like a very ambitious project, especially since the whole like you know, um, wood and tools aspect was really new. And I, I'm always nervous at these first new steps, right? When, but I think that kind of just like faking it till you make it is kind of been a really big thing for me. You know, I can sit in a room and talk to people about all these crazy ideas I have like, Oh, I've been wanting to do this. And they're like, okay, do it. And then I go home and freak out in private. Yeah. But I mean, freaking out in private is one thing. I think that's natural. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've worked at galleries and museums for years and I've seen plenty of people who try to fake it till they make it and like get a grant to make something and they show up with something completely different. They're like, this Mm. is, we gave you like $10,000. Like where's the thing you were supposed to make? They're like, well, I didn't know how to make that. So I made this. Yeah. And like, well, that's a big fucking problem. <laughs> so, okay. Well, that makes me feel better about yeah, myself. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the thing. It's like your ambition is driving you forward. Yeah. And I think that your ambition is driving you forward to strive for more and to strive for bigger, which is great. Yeah. So that's a really cool thing. Cause I mean, a lot of people can't do that. I was at my friend Sax Six's show the other night with, when Sean was painting the mural in New York and yeah. we stopped by and I was just like, I went home. I was like, fuck man, I need to like, I need to try better, like and harder with my paintings, you know? So it's great to like see people like you see people uh, who are just like progressing because if you're smart and you don't, you're not someone who's like, man, I wish that was me. You, what you do is you look at it and you're like, fuck, I got to step up my game. Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, you just have to start. Right. So that Microsoft paint piece that I had made, I'd never done something that scale or that intricate. And you know, now that I've made one, I really love how it came out, right? But I learned so much. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, I wish I could remake it. And maybe (laughs) I will, honestly. 
But it's just like even, so I made that piece just because I wanted to. I had no um, agenda. Mm. And I also think that's really important. I think mm. making time for art as play. Sure. And I know that can be hard because you have to pay the bills or because you have this deadline and all that. Um, but this summer I carved out a chunk of time that I was like, you know what, I have this idea for this series and I think my next level that has been scary for me, I would love to, you know, have a gallery show, sure. right? But I need to actually start practicing whatever level that I need to be at to get there. Right. So I just went for it. And just from that, right, so I got this commission Microsoft piece that I'm so excited about. But that money will allow me then to take a couple months off and just actually make some pieces for my potential gallery show. It's right. just kind of like you put it out there and kind of see what happens. And mm -hmm. that's another reason why I just love street art, yeah. right? It's just like you're putting it out there not for any reason, but just you never know what's going to come for it. It's kind of that, mm -hmm. like mystery. Yeah. That really like fuels me and keeps me from going into a depressive spiral. Sometimes it's like you never know what could happen. Yeah, I mean, like I, I always say, it's like I put my pieces on the street and then they live their own life. Yeah. And you never know who's going to encounter it, and you, you never know. It's like it might really someone might hate it, someone might love it. I mean, someone might destroy it. It's just like it does its own thing. Yeah, which is interesting. And and that's the thing you were saying about you know making it making work to just play. And that's the thing. It's like we need to to explore and that's what street art has been for me is this great tool to just like I'm going to make something I'm going to go put it out there I'm going to make something else and I'm going to put it out there and making work by hand is something where it's made me progress a ton because I just every time like you said you made this uh, Microsoft paint piece and then you're like oh I wish I did it differently I mean that's I look at something I did a year ago and I was like ah well like either I like that but I could do it better or it's like I'm glad I'm I've gotten better than that so yeah. it's it's an interesting and amazing tool and that's what i love about street art because i you know the play aspect of it is what i love i mean kind of what sean was saying earlier i i run into that all the time when it's not the play when it's something that's permanent i sit down as like oh shit someone might live with this and like own it and then sometimes i'm just like well i don't know what the fuck to do that's a lot of pressure I know. like i don't want to think about this i just want to have fun like that's why i do this shit so it's like it's it is important like you said even if it's the life and career you want to pursue to realize that you do this because you love it yeah, you have to go back to those basics sometimes. And it can it can be really easy to stray from that. Sure. Um, I think, too, like, you know, the commissioned work is great. But, yeah, there's this uh, element of pressure and stress and deadlines and all of that stuff that, you know, you have in any kind of job. But it's just I feel like when you're being paid for, like, this came from my hand, mm -hmm. right? As opposed to like, you're doing something, a marketing thing on the computer, whatnot. It's just so much more personal. And sure. it's like, this is me yeah. and it's here for you to judge. And yeah. so it's really, yeah, it's just, I try to play as much as possible. And that's how like, I don't know, 90% of just like my jobs have come or, you know, I make something and it evolves into something else that then becomes more of a, an avenue that, that has revenue or more of an idea. Um, so you just have to put that time aside. Mm -hmm. Now, how, I mean, starting off and I guess now even like how you're hearing these pieces to the street, because like as wheat paste artists, it's like glue, like different types of adhesives, they can always fail. And yeah. I always think of like, oh, yes, I mean, if, if you could, I, someone like Oleg, whom I can completely wrap something, if mm -hmm. you're like yarn bombing something, that makes sense to me yeah. because you're up there and you're like completing it. But if you're just going to make an object and then put it on the street, yeah. like. How how do they live? Do they survive? I mean, are they stolen? Are they just like 
does weather destroy them? Or? Yeah, that is like my most common kind of question. It's just like, okay, how and what happens, right? Right. So when I first started putting my pieces on the street, you know, I tied some to fences. It's kind of, you know, when you think of yarn bombing, maybe you think of you're wrapping a bicycle mm-hmm. or a tree or you're occasionally thinking of tying things to fences, which I did at first. Sure. But I really wanted to like, be on brick walls or boarded up businesses. So I experimented a lot. You know, I use a staple gun if it's a boarded up, if it's wood. Sure. But otherwise, you know, at first I used a bunch of different types of like really powerful glue. I even used construction caulk once, which was a nightmare. That was way, I didn't know what I was doing. But I ended up getting, and I'll show you, uh, this really badass cordless glue gun. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Sean actually uh, drew it for me, illustrated it, and I have it hanging in my house. But it's this like, I don't know, I think it weighs like seven pounds. And so I use hot glue. Oh, nice. And it does not damage surfaces. The only thing it can do is, so if I'm gluing something on brick, the tip of the glue gun is metal and it can sometimes scratch the brick. Mm. But if you think about just like kids playing in art class and they're using hot glue, like you can really, if you pull a little, it's not going to come off. But if you use force, it'll come off. Sure. Right. So typically my pieces last unless someone goes to tamper with them. Right. Or they need to be taken down. Then you're just like putting your back into it and ripping it off. But I, I, you know, I've had pieces that only last a day and that's because someone takes it down or whatnot. But the longevity of it, as far as how good the piece is going to look, you know, if it, if I glue something and it's in direct sunlight all day, every day, around a year and a half, it's going to start to look dingy. And it's not from snow or rain, but it's from the sun. I use acrylic yarn because the like very nice stuff is so expensive, mm. right? Like one skein, which is, you know, if in your mind you're thinking maybe just like one big ball of yarn can range when you have a nice material from like 10 to $30 just for one. Oh, and when I'm doing my street art pieces, I'm using four different strands at once. Oh, okay. So I use the cheap stuff that's, you know, three okay. to $5. But so that'll fade around that time. If it's not in direct sunlight, the longevity, I mean, it can last double the time, right? If it's covered in shade, it'll be fine. But then it starts to get dirty. So mud and it from being rained on over and over again. I mean, the longest piece that I've let stay up is probably like three years. And and then it's starting, you know, to get a little questionable. Well, that makes sense now because I remember seeing the the collab while you did with Sean and I'm like, this is cool. Like, but how is that attached there? Yes. Cause you know, it's, you know, I, it's one thing where I, I have been yelled at as I should know better. I've worked at museums for years, but I have been yelled at for going and touching things where I'm like, what the fuck is that? You know, but you gotta know. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, with something like that, I'm not going to go up to a mural and be like, well, let me just, you know, shove on like, what's this made of? So yeah, I mean, that makes more sense of it actually like having long lasting, that hot glue is actually a pretty amazing adhesive. It is incredible. It's going to be my next tattoo. I keep, I keep <laughs> meaning to get it, but I think I'm going to get Sean's illustration of it. But um, I mean, I have permanent scarring oh, on my hands from no how joke. hot it gets. Yeah. It's almost like, I'm like, can I write a review that it's too hot? I'm like, so I'm, I'm like cursing it sometimes. I'm like, okay, calm down. Nicole. Well, they have like big industrial ones. I've worked like a, a that's what days. I have. Well, I've worked a few days here or there at like a crate shop and it's Ooh, like a, okay. a gas pump, like, you know, a giant vat 
and then like a big tube that comes out. Oh, so they're not putting like sticks in it. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. So no sticks. It's just like, it's all liquid, like just on demand. Okay. I have a new goal now to do a mural one day that uses that. It's intense. (laughs) I'm like, Oh God. Okay. Be, be careful. This is definitely burn a hole into you. Yeah. Hot glue. It's an underrated, um, material. You know, you think of just like kind of crafting, but no, it's, it's up there with the power tools. Yeah, that's true. And all glues and adhesives, you got to like know the, the good and bad with that. I was making a piece years ago with super glue and I didn't realize like I went and sat down and sat on the super glue container and it, it burned a hole in my ass. Because like, uh, wait, like through your pants or like yeah, in your no, app? it burned through my <laughs> pants. Like I had like gym shorts on, it burned through the gym shorts, and I had like a welt on my ass because of the actual just like fast chemical reaction that happens. I know it's like, like a Whoa. different type of hot, right? It's right. like, oh, it's like stings and burns, but it's not necessarily like smoking. Yeah, no, I've I've experienced. Uh, that as well. Not on my ass though. In a more normal spot. Yeah. I was about to say it's, it wasn't, it wasn't my finest moment. But now that I say that though, the hot glue gun's going to get me somewhere. Um, I'll, I'll let you know when it does. It's no joke. <laughs> so, I mean, what's, what's next bigger pieces or, uh, I mean, more ornate pieces, like you're saying you move down to this kind of smaller scale and, and also that's the time the, the time thing too, like as, you get to making things that are using smaller stitching. It's taking you more time. Like, are you going to put that on the street? Cause that's going to kick. You know, I don't know how long that took you 40, 50 hours. Who knows? I yeah. mean, so, yeah. So kind of right now, you know, as far as my, um, my day to day work, right. So I do a couple of, you know, direct to consumer, um, you know, I make, crocheted foods and frames kind of as like my bread and butter, right? That's helping me pay the bills. I do a couple drops a year. So I incorporate that in, and I also work with when I can, you know, I get brand sponsorships. So that kind of really helps fuel, you know, the income. Um, and that allows me to do the free street art. What I really, you know, as far as leveling up, we were talking about the thing I want to work on next is I have this idea I've been thinking about a while. I'm 31, so I um, grew up with the very early stages of the internet. Mm -hmm. And right now, you know, I recently did this Microsoft Paint piece, and it was really inspired by, I feel like, this lost time in the internet from, like, 1995 to, like, the mid-2000s, right, where... you know, we didn't have an iPhone, so everything wasn't archived. And so we were, I was growing up on AIM and Tumblr. And I feel like I was part of this generation, right, where everyone older than us had never had the computer. So they didn't, so no one kind of knew what it was like to grow up online. And now, you know, the generation below me, everyone's always had a computer. So I feel like there's like this, like 10 to 20 years of people who were like, no, I invented the internet. I like grew up there. (laughs) And I'm really trying to memorialize this time of the internet. that's kind of like wiped. Like you think of AIM Mm -hmm. and you know, the old desktop, the like the really shitty games that we would play. And basically I have this idea of like forming relationships as you're a teen or a tween, but online and how weird that was. Mm -hmm. So my next thing I want to do is, you know, I would like to come up with, I've never, I mean, I've been in a gallery as far as like a couple little pieces here and there, but I would like, you know, to have my own show, I think. Mm -hmm. And I just have all these ideas, right? I want to make a massive, but super detailed sidekick flip phone, right? I want to do a massive AIM profile. I'm going to do all these different screensavers. I have a vision of like a huge wall that has like a hundred 
crocheted pieces that are all about, I don't know, two by two of just different icons, mm. right? And it's like filled with like whether it's a folder or, you know, what Internet Explorer used to like. I just like want to memorialize, you know, the early Internet when it was the newest form of technology juxtaposed with one of the oldest art forms, which is yarn. And I just think there's something really cool there. So as far as like, I'm just going to start creating stuff and this stuff won't necessarily go on the street. Maybe a couple pieces will honestly, but this is kind of more stuff. I'm just kind of going to start creating a more of a portfolio and see what happens. I definitely still want to be in the street art community and putting stuff up. It's just going to be a little bit fewer and far between because as I advance, it takes so much more time. And I think that, you know, you're an artist and I think people who are in the art scene or maybe the yarn yarn scene, right. Um, can really recognize that. But if you're kind of removed and not so much directly involved in the art scene, it can, you can maybe not spot that difference, but Mm. I mean, whereas I use a huge hook, right, right, that I could do a huge piece in one day. I mean, now it's taking months. So it's just the time that I did street art is now going to maybe be just for this personal project. But I'll, I'll still be doing stuff. It's sure. just not going to be on the same level. You know Klaus Oldenburg's work? Yes, I do. Yeah. Oh, incredible. Uh, yeah, because you're talking about this giant flip phone. I'm thinking about these giant, like, sewn cheeseburgers and, like, all these weird fucking things. They're beautiful. And, and like, oh, what's... I mean, just... He did everything, right? Like a giant fork, just like objects, mm-hmm. yeah. like so many cool objects. Um, didn't he recently pass? I, like very well, recently. I don't know if it was very recently. He's been, I mean, he was an old man. Oh, wait. So maybe he's been gone for a while. Okay. But, you know what? But I don't, I mean, I, I don't really, I'm, I'm not a very uh, good encyclopedia of when people died. I mean, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Yo, do you know what year his death was? Yes, yes, like, yes. <laughs> uh, no, I just more celebrate his work, but. Uh, no, I mean, he's a huge inspiration. I also am obsessed with Lucy Sparrow, who does uh, Felt Life. Oh, cool. She goes in, so she does a lot of foods out of felt. So, like, basically she goes into abandoned um, storefronts. And so her most recent one is she has this, like, supermarket. And every aisle, everything is made of felt. And there's every single food you could imagine, prescription. um, And it's, like, you know... 50 of one thing. It's incredible. She goes in and I mean, it must take her years to just do one, these pop-ups, but her stuff is incredible. I just love any kind of like installation art that you can touch and feel and play with. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the thing with scale too. It's like the hard thing is, I mean, again, uh, you, you live in Philly. It's a different thing. Being an artist from New York, I think of scale. I think of like, well, she's got to have a massive studio. Where the fuck are you going to make and put these things? You know, it's such a, such a hard thing to, to wrap your head around because the idea of just like, I see you going in that direction, but I mean, do you have a big studio where you could do this kind of stuff or? Yeah. I mean, I work out of the Bach building, which is an old high school that's in Philly. And it's like, it has eight levels. I feel so bad for the kids that used to go there because there's only like two working elevators and to just walk up six flights of stairs is excruciating, but it was an old technical school. So there's just like a bunch of rooms um, and floors like one through seven are all independent artists, small businesses. There's tattoo shop, ballet studio, stuff like that. The top has a bar and restaurant. I share a space with two other artists. One's a muralist and one's a mosaic artist. Right now it's okay. I feel I've been there. Uh, this is going on three years. I feel I'm like, I'm outgrowing it. And as far as scale, as far as money, I can't afford, right. To have my own huge studio yet. So 
you know, that's something that I'm going to, you know, figure out as I go, I guess. When I created these large flower sculptures, I used the auditorium at the school. Mm. So I was able to rent out um, because they put on shows and stuff. I used the stage because these things couldn't even get in the elevator. Sure. So, you know, maybe um, I do something like that. I, You know what? I, I don't know. I'm not there yet. Right. You know, the Microsoft Paint piece that I made, it's big, but we're talking four by five feet, right? And the sidekick that I'm thinking of, when I say large, you know, maybe six feet large. So I can still, I still have space for it, but I would love to just be able to sprawl everywhere and not just have, you know, my own little corner. So we'll we'll see. I mean, like I said before, it's the ambition that's going to drive you to do all that kind of stuff. And obviously you have that in spades. So, I mean, the the way I see your work going and, and the other reason I want to talk to you is like, also there's this, there's this, you talk about nostalgia. I'm very nostalgic from when I started street art, because when I started, there was people like Olick and, you know, swoon, who's doing these giant like woodblock prints and people who were doing just like bolt ups and so many different types of physical things that it's, seems like it, it's more of a dying art. You don't see as many of like much, as much diversity. You see a lot of wheat paste and a lot of stuff that's printed out and, you know, to each of their own. I mean, mm-hmm. and Philly stickers, like, you know, this stickers is and murals, sticker city, mural city. So, I mean, it's, it's cool to see just some diversity that in, in the scene, just, you know, by looking and being like, Oh, that's like, that's a cool different object. That's a different type of thing that's there. I agree. I think that, you know, I think, that my craft, right? I think it's been, it's helped me in a lot of ways and it's also hard in a lot of ways, right? So I am one of very few people who do crocheted street art. And in that way, you know, when someone wants to d- diversify a lineup, you know, I have, there's a way smaller pool of people to pick sure, from. And right. I'm very honored that I've been able to kind of grow in that sense. And on the other side of the coin, it's like, okay, how many people really need a yarn installation? Right. It's not as much as an illustrator or a painter. So right, right, right. the pool is, sm- the like type of work is less, but I'm in a way smaller pool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really helped propel my career. But I mean, I agree as far as, you know, some cool stuff that I've seen on the street recently. Of course, I'm not going to know. It. I maybe I'll know some names. There is, or Sean might even know. There is an artist who's doing like stuff with like broken glass that I think is really cool. Um, there is, you know, I just, I just like anything that's just like a little bit like, oh, whoa, you can put that out on the street. Because I've seen this person who just like tiny houses. It's like. Or the artist that actually has a piece in the wall behind you that does the, uh, like porcelain pieces. Oh, Hope Hummingbird obsessed with her. That wasn't who I was talking about, but I. Just right, like just stuff like that is just so unique and really stands out to me. And I, it, it makes me. I mean, what you do, what she does, this preciousness of something that it's a very hard thing as a street artist when you make things by hand to get over the fact of like putting it out there and having to live its own life. Like you said, it can disappear. With I've had you know pieces that I spent four or five hours on, and it's gone. You know, in an hour or two. Yes. You know, someone wanted it. It was still wet. They stripped it down, or it got like tagged over, or something along those lines. So, I mean probably it wasn't that bad when you started, I'm assuming because of scale of stuff you were putting out. But I mean, have you had like just pieces destroyed? Like what was the, your, like how was the acceptance process into the scene here? Yeah. So that's a big question that I get is like, okay, so you're putting in 10 ranging from 10 to 80 hours on a piece of street art that like, you don't know it's going to last. You're putting in, you know, yarn, it adds up. Sure. Putting up people like, why are you doing it? And for me, it's a couple things. It's like, it's the act of creating something just for myself, right? It's my version of meditation of, you know, just something that brings me peace. And I just kind of view it right as like a hobby almost people can go and, 
you know, do whatever. Maybe you're going to making pots or you're going in rock climbing. It's like everything doesn't have to have a direct action. You can just be doing it for yourself because you enjoy it. Of course, yeah. And I think people are always just like shocked about that. But I also view it as like, what is the difference really besides money of someone making a painting and then it's bought and it's put in someone's home and you never see it again? Sure. It, it's kind of the same thing. It's like right. you're letting it go. I also think it's a way to kind of just like appreciate the moment. Oh, 100%. Um, it's gonna, you know, when I put something up, a lot of people message me all the time, especially bikers and runners. They're like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to run a new route this way because it's going to, you know, um, make the monotony of my run a little bit different and it might not be there. It's kind of the sense of urgency. It's Mm -hmm. getting you out. Maybe you're taking the long way home because you're looking just what new street art is in my neighborhood. It's just kind of has this ripple effect that I think when, if you really start to think about it, you can see, but at first glance, it's like, what? Like you're just leaving that there. But, you know, people, you know, a lot of people don't, I, I don't know. But um, when I first started, I, when I was doing smaller things, I did notice that they didn't last as long. Mm. And I didn't know if people were taking them home or just destroying them. You know, I don't really know. When I do something bigger, the bigger I go, the longer it stays, really? I've found. Okay. But, I mean, I've had stuff last. I did a giant eyeball that said under his eye. And that lasted like less than 24 hours. I think people thought it was like creepy. Mm. Uh, but that was just when I was like obsessed with watching Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> um, but for the most part, people are respectful. That's cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think also different cities have different scenes. Yes. I mean, things in New York, it's like I've, I've had pieces like crowbarred off a wall. I mean, if somebody wants it, they're going to take it. There's yeah. no stopping them. And, and, and But, you know, I've traveled a lot uh, to Europe to put up work and I've had pieces last a year or two, which is great. Yeah. And also it's funny, this last trip I was in, in Europe, like I was traveling with some friends from the West coast and this happened many times when we were out, people would stop. It's like, what is this for? And we just kept saying it's for fun. Yeah. We're doing it for fun. This is, it's this just is, my hobby. It's yeah, what it's I like, do. Like this is extremely enjoyable for us to do this. And they're just like, huh? Well, it's like if you go up to someone just reading a book outside, what are you doing? Yeah, it's the why, same thing. Why are you doing this? Like <laughs> what? But that's not acceptable. <laughs> right. like, stop harassing me. I um I haven't put up much stuff in New York. I don't know why, because we we're just saying how close it is. Right. A couple of friends just recently moved there, so now I have a reason to go there more. But I did find I went for like a day and put up like six pieces. They did not last long, any mm. of them. So I don't know if that's more just like of a New York thing or it, I mean, yeah, between the conditions and then also mainly like people coming in and being like walking by it and I want that and mm-hmm. I'm gonna fucking take it mm-hmm. because it's on the street and I yeah. don't give a fuck so it's like that is very common in New York unfortunately yeah. so something you know I learned when I first started too was so I I was new to just street art in general and was kind of like figuring out where to put my pieces and like where is cool and where is not and I you know I just you know what I learned a big lesson one time I wasn't even thinking I put up something on top of like some graffiti that I just like thought looked mm. so cool, the juxtaposition. Yay. And here I am like this white girl with her hot pink yarn, putting stuff up on graffiti. And I learned my lesson about that one. And I, I should have been thinking, but I just, I was like, this is so cool. But I also had to learn kind of like where I belong in the street sure. and the yeah. respect aspect. And you know, that's, um, that's a huge part. I mean, everybody has to go through that learning lesson. Yeah. So, I mean, we were, when Sean was painting the mural, in, uh, the wall that I curate the other day yeah. and this woman came up, she's like, Oh, I do NFTs. I want to have my stuff up here. And it's like, well, I mean, there's a lot of people want to have their work on this wall. It's a long waiting list. And then, uh, Sean was like, well, just get some stuff out and we paste it. If you just want to advertise, like just go, we 
showcase it. And I was like, but don't go any over any graffiti. I was like, because they'll destroy it because mm-hmm. like you're disrespecting them. Yeah. Like, she's like, oh, well, that would be good. That would be good uh, publicity. And I was like, no, no, oh, no. No No one's going to fucking care. You'll just wake up and all the shit that you put up will be destroyed. And, and forever. And no one will talk about it. And everything you put up forever will get destroyed. <laughs> right. So I was like, or we're telling you now, or you- <laughs> this is a great tool. It's amazing. Go do it. And Sean's like, yeah, you see all those advertising walls, those green walls there? Go bomb the fuck out of those. It doesn't it. matter. But like, but careful where you put shit. Because yeah. like, it's true. I mean. It's so true. And there's people who have been doing this for years and years and years. And you come in and you're just like, cool, I'm just going to do it. I mean, yeah. And I always like, you know, I, I give people credit if they're new and I see they're like, okay. Not credit. I give them a pass. Or I'm like, okay, yeah. that was a stupid move. Yep. But when it becomes a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> that's you know, like, when I did that, three people reached out to me and like, that is a no. And I was like, oh, I just wasn't even thinking. Um, but yeah, just some growing pains yeah. as far as. I mean, that's, that's, that's it. It's like, it's a completely different thing. I mean, if you, yeah. if you didn't, I mean, honestly, even if you grew up here and you, you started doing it, it's like, you wouldn't know that either yeah. because it's just like, it's a different thing when you're a viewer and an appreciator and when you're someone who's actually going out and doing it. And yeah. uh, if you want some longevity, then <laughs> just gotta, find your own space. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta learn the the rules because. You know, because we, there's enough space. We can all we can all live together. We can all play together. I mean, this is an amazing thing about again being recording up here at T Mom. So that Robert's always just like, listen, I there's there's people that might have beef on the street that come up here, and it's just like, tell this them, is the like, one this place. Is not, this is not the place for it. Just like you know, everyone just should have like. This is the one place around. in the world where it's like, no, you go over everyone's stuff. Yeah, and it just doesn't it doesn't matter. Like it's like, oh, someone did this. It's like whatever. It's like, it's, like a, it's it, it reminds me of like a Lower East Side bathroom. Like you know, it's just <laughs> fucking. It happens. Get over it. No exactly. But this is a different, you know, special environment. So, but it, it really is. I mean, I mean, you're in New York. Is there a place like this? No, no comparable. No, not at all. No, right. No. Like I said, it, it would be. Uh, there's bathrooms like this. Uh, yes. Many bathrooms like this, but not a place like this. So. Why do you think? Uh, I mean, there used to be a couple bars that I knew would do this. There was one in Bushwick that would like start off. It's like a cool bar and then it just became like trashed and they were like, just went with it. And then like CBGBs and some places like that had this kind of vibe, but it's uh, I think that just business owners yeah. would be, just be afraid of it. Yeah. I mean, and also the, how do you have the dichotomy of this of downstairs? It's like a normal bar. <laughs> you wouldn't restaurant. even know. No, not at all. So it's like that, you know, that juxtaposition is yeah. a very strange thing. I think that's something that I really love about Philly too, is that just because it's not the scale of New York, you're able to have feel community a little bit more. I mean, from, I've never lived there, so I'm not sure, but I feel like because of the art community, I feel like it's almost like everyone's kind of like working together and stuff sure. and everyone's lifting each other up mm. here in Philly. It just like feels like, of course, we can have this lovely space that everyone can kind of put their ego to the side. Of. Yeah. I mean, that was also not takes... to talk shit on New York at all, but no, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. New York doesn't It care. feels more dog eat dog in New York it, than Philly. To yeah. Me. Fair enough. That's what I yeah. think I mean by all that. Uh, but I mean, I think that it's, it's also just, it's a, it's a weird liability thing. It's like just people would, you know, it's a free for all up here. And I think it takes someone special like Robert to take that, take that leap. I mean, I've seen, like, I've spent a lot of time in Barcelona. There's places like this in Barcelona where they're just like, but it's more of just like, it's a fucking punk rock bar. Yeah. And like, just, they just don't give a fuck. <laughs> so that's why it's just so weird to have like the downstairs like mm-hmm. this where, you know, there's a, a bar, I forget the name of it in Barcelona where it's, it's like this. And then the back is a half pipe. 
And it's like, oh, that's so cool. It's cool, but like no place in the U.S. would ever do that because someone they'd be like, you Imagine, have to sign a fucking waiver as soon as you come in here because you could get hurt on that, or when you you're could drinking. be a viewer that like just gets hit by a skateboard. Yeah, and we're, they're all getting shit faced <laughs> and hanging out. So it's like, so it's just like there's a lot of things in the U.S. where there's like, well, I don't know, I know, I don't know, I just, I just don't want anybody to get in trouble. I know, and I mean, this is an example when like you do it and people respect you for it, then they're not gonna you know fuck it up or like be disrespectful to the wall. I don't, I don't know. I think if when you start to give people the more benefit of the doubt, they'll surprise you sometime. But the U S is like, no, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Well, we love suing each other. Yeah? <laughs> exactly. like, if you can't make money being an artist, you might as well just make money suing people. <laughs> you know, fall off a, you know, just step off a curb and break your arm. Who knows? I know. Oh, well, I mean, it's, I just like to see, like, I'm excited to see this progression of yours. I'm excited to see where it goes. And, you know, it's like we showed together at Deep Space and we're showing together here. Like, I mean, I'm surprised, honestly, you haven't had a gallery show at this point. I mean, and also <laughs> it's like kind of seeing like the, like you said, your bread and butter pieces, the um, the pieces, like the food pieces, the, um, the crocheted pills, like yeah. these seem like a no brainer for, but also, I, I mean, again, working in galleries for years, I don't fucking know what sells. I just yeah. don't, I'm not a gallery. I don't understand yeah. this world. I mean, I would I would look at you and be like, yeah, let's let's scoop her up, let's do something. Especially the scale of things, like you're making small, very easily sellable pieces, and now with these larger scale mm -hmm. things, it's kind of like I, I see that progression with someone like Swoon, who just mm -hmm. like big ideas doing crazy things, you know. So it's like, but can obviously do like wood block, block prints and things that she was known for in the beginning. Yeah. So it's like having that that diversity and trying to obviously also catch somebody while they're they're young and starting off. I mean, it seems like uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe in that sense that's something that's lacking here in Philly because there's not as many galleries as a yeah. place like New York. Yeah. I I really appreciate you saying that. I um, you know, this is all it's new for me and it's really cool that my, you know, my food and frame pieces are doing really well. I, I enjoy doing them. I'm trying not to get stuck doing that sure, because I feel like it's not as much of a creative outlet. Yeah. Um, but I will keep doing them as long as they keep selling, which they are. And then it's giving me the chance to just explore these other crazy ideas. And I think for a long time, I thought that galleries were elitist and I think now my mind has changed that galleries are just elite, right? Like it's for people who are putting the time in. I think I was, you know, I always thought it was more judgmental, but no, it's just people who are honing in on their craft and doing amazing stuff. And I finally feel like maybe I belong a little bit, like I'm getting there. So there yeah. are galleries that are elitist as fuck. Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but I'm not so scared anymore. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. That's, that's, that, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. But there's, there's <laughs> galleries that are just like, of course, we won't touch you until you can fucking sell things for like $50,000. I'm sorry. Yeah. We don't no, give no, a no, shit. No, no, no. Like, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it can seem very daunting because it's, it can be a very hard world to break into. I mean, I think that, uh, there are, there, that's one of the things I've complained about like a city like New York is there's thousands of galleries and mm -hmm. I mean realistically hundreds but hundreds of galleries and there's not enough of them that are repping young street artists that are doing amazing work Yeah, where uh, you know my, my buddy Vox Romana who's from Portland yeah. we were just out in uh, in France and you know, he's rep by a gallery in Paris Yeah, and it's because like the galleries and I don't know if it's because the galleries in Portland can't like they don't have the price point or uh, the collectors but it's like it took 
people from another country to look at his work and be like, Oh, uh, this this guy's awesome. Like we need to invest in this artist and and just like bring them up and see what's going to happen. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm excited to put out into the universe because I think something that's helped make me successful is that I don't put myself in one box. I do street art. Uh, I sell pieces to my followers. I do work with large client, large corporate clients. I go into schools and I teach, I um, do individual commissions for people's homes, backyards, whatever. And I think this is kind of like a new avenue for me. Um, and I think it really makes just life interesting. I don't get bored. And it's just like, okay, if one thing slows down, I'm still cool with all mm. these others. So I'm excited to, you know, yeah, put it out about, there. You were talking about teaching. Like, what are you yeah. teaching in these schools? Yeah, I go in. I just teach kids how to crochet. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. So um, I've done elementary through college. I typically... Either we'll go in, um, ideally it's like I'm going in and everyone gets like three class periods with me uh-huh. and I'm teaching them how to crochet and then I then take all of their work and we make an installation in the school. Awesome. Uh, we do it permanent inside or temporary outside and just, when I tell you bringing crochet into the classroom, it becomes like fidget spinners. They yeah. become obsessed, That's awesome. right? This one kid, um, I, he went home and he was crocheting all week and we went outside cause I was just teaching them how to chain, which is basically just braiding really simple. We wrapped it around the whole school. It was just, that's how long of a chain he made. That's insane. And it was a student that the teacher was just so surprised. Like, I didn't know if he was going to be able to sit still to do this sure. and just the power it has of calming down, um, kids with like who have, you know, learning disabilities or who maybe just like need some kind of stimulant. It is so powerful. So mm-hmm. especially boys, the boys catch on the quickest, which really? is amazing. But that is just another important aspect of what I do too. So I'm like trying three to spread sessions it. with them over a week or like yeah, a- I mean, it all depends, right? I've gone into a school where every class just got me for 50 minutes and you know, they pick it up okay, I don't really get to like, you know, get the hype in as much, sure. but I introduce, I usually introduce, you know, have an assembly, kind of show what I do, mm-hmm. show that crocheting can be cool and street right. art is cool. And then, you know, all, the first class is usually 50 minutes. I'll teach them how to chain a crochet. The next time I come in again and we're still working on that. And then by the third class period, they are just like rolling with it. Awesome. So yeah, it, it all depends. I do a bunch of different, you know, variations of teaching, but I love to do that too. Do you have a background in teaching or is this no. something you got? I mean, how did this no. progress into? Yeah, I actually, you know, I've just taught like little tiny workshops before when I was first getting, when I was first getting started crocheting, I, you know, hosted a couple like come hang out at a bar and I'll teach you how to crochet. Cool. And then my aunt who lives in Naples mm-hmm. was like, Oh, I would love for you to come teach the kids. So that was my first kind of learning experience. And then, you know, I started getting some grants to go into schools And now I've just found, you know, a lot of these, a lot of schools surprisingly have this kind of like artist in red, artists in residency budgets Mm -hmm. that if you come in, you know, like I did, um, you come in with a certain, right. If it's the sixth graders who are about to graduate, there's some kind of like budget to teach them how to do their end of year project. There's just, I don't know. It just grows. I'm telling you stuff just like People just find out and I get all these emails. It's just like, Hey, come teach my kids. I'm like, cool. I have like my credentials as far as like, uh, that I, you know, background checks, but no, I don't have any formal training. Well, I mean, it's a fun, awesome thing. That's also not somebody being on a phone or a computer, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that there's, we know that we were talking about before about use it, utilizing technology to help promote our work. The thing that I hate about technology is because of promoting my work, I'm using my phone too much, Yes, you know, and that's the thing I love about the fact that 
I make my work by hand is that I get to spend all that time just focusing on something and creating something rather than just like watching a bunch of bullshit yeah. like and fucking doom scrolling, which is just like, yeah, you know, it just, I'm ma- guilty. And, and, but then I, I'm out, I snap out of it and I was like, I'm like, what the fuck was that? What, what was the point of that? You know? So it's like, that's, you know, rather than spending hours and something and walking mm-hmm. away from it and either putting it up on the street and walking away and be like, cool. Or to make something and be like, all right, I'm getting somewhere different with this. So I think those types of, now, I mean, you talk about, you know, what will my kid think and what will he say about me in the future about, you know, I don't care if I'm a Luddite because <laughs> I, I care more about the fact that I can hopefully pass on something that is seems to be like a dying art, which is people making things by hand, people who are crafts, like with their craftspersonship and really trying to, you know, create something new. And I mean, cause like you said, you know, it's like, this is something that you think of crocheting, you think about, you know, grandma's knitting hats. Yeah. And it's like, what you're doing is completely fucking different. So yeah. to, to like, think about taking something and making it into something new and, you know, pro- progressing it into the 21st century, like, you know, yeah. that's, that's only going to happen by actually physically doing it. Yeah, exactly. My ultimate goal, um, as an artist, which, I can't do yet because I simply don't have the capital. But what I want to do is purchase an RV, cover it completely inside and outside in yarn, right? So the whole outside is covered, the whole inside, even when you like open a drawer um, and all the forks are covered, you know, whatever. And I want to travel around and I just want to pop up in community centers and schools and teach kids how to crochet and show them this awesome moving installation. And like that is my ultimate goal. I mean, I still want to do all this other stuff, but that is just like, oh, just... I just want to see more young kids crocheting, doing stuff with their hands. It doesn't even have to be crocheting. I don't care. Just like use your hands, get in the dirt, just like play. Mm -hmm. We just have to play more. Yeah. No, I fully agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've said that countless times on, on this podcast is just like the fact that how important, um, making art is for my mental health and the idea of that it's funny when I went to school I went to school for art art education and there was like the art ed department and then the art therapy department and the art ed department and the and the fine art department would always look down on the art therapy department and be like oh it's so fucking bullshit it's a blah, blah blah and then if you actually pursue art you realize like well it is therapy like yeah. I mean and the art therapy people are just trying to teach people tools to help them like with their mental health so like what's the fuck's the point I mean it's all like it's all the same Thing. The infighting, right? In the, was like, in the yeah, different art, I just never really understood that because I mean, it's again, it's it's teaching this tool to hopefully you know have it so someone can utilize it to their to their end. Because the thing is, it's kind of like similar playing music for years. It's like I have friends who have played guitar for twenty years and all still only know the same four songs that they knew, but they enjoy the fuck out of yeah. playing those four songs. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Not everybody has to be like some sort of virtuoso. No. But if you give them a tool that they can utilize, where it's like, you know what, I'm having kind of a bad day. I'm gonna just pick up my guitar. I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna play a couple songs, and then I walk away and be like, oh, that was fun. Yeah. You know, that's great. I know. And I think something that we do that. I think that has a good um, intention behind it, but I think we do too often is, you know, when someone starts to pick up, pick up a craft or a hobby just for themselves, you know, we encourage, oh, you should start selling that or you right. should make yeah. a business. Sometimes, no. Right. Like, we don't need to make a profit or everyone doesn't need to quit their job and just become an artist. It's right. like, let's just make it and gift it to our friends because we love them or just have it in the corner because it's something pretty. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, how many times have we heard stories of like, you know, they go into a barn and they're just like, what, this person was a painter? There's like 400 paintings here. And it's like, yeah, they just spent their whole life doing this and just like not caring about, you know, the financial side of it or pursuing anything else other than their love of the craft of it. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think ultimately, you know, like we said before, and and I've, I've dealt with this myself. It's like, I always thought going to art school that it's like, well, I just want to be a full-time artist. I just want this as my life. And then as I got a little bit older, I was like, I just want to not, I want to keep growing and not hate what I'm doing. And that's always the teetering for me where I see like artists that are just like so stressed about what they're making. And I was like, I don't know what that is for me. I don't know what success is for me because at the same time, like I don't want to not stop. I don't want to have to like wake up and be like, oh, I got to fucking paint a bunch of stuff today. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like, it's such a hard balance. And we have those days. Oh, like, of course. There still course. is. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I feel that. Well, uh, I appreciate you sitting down and talking to me. This was this was fun in the chaotic uh, team moms upstairs as we're getting ready for this show. But I appreciate you taking the time. And thank you. Uh, and I, I really appreciate your questions. I appreciate the thoughtfulness and uh, you know the time it put in to kind of research, do your research, and just uh, I don't know. Thank you. Well, I mean, it wasn't much research. I knew your work <laughs> because of this guy right here, because of Sean, you know. So, I mean, I that the collaboration. I appreciate you. <laughs> 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 well, thank you, Sean. We're all here because of you. Uh, awesome. Awesome. Sweet. Well, thank you. Thank you.